When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Yes, indeed. Hello, everyone. I'm John Lund alongside Al Renato, a.k.a. the great Al in White Plains. And this is New Report, Old Report here on Monday, September 17th from 8 to 9 Eastern Time, live on Sports Radio America. If you missed the live show, you can catch the replay on Tuesday night, also at 8 p.m. Eastern, or find the show as bonus content under the Bridge Sports Podcast, found on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts or at LondonBridge.com. You can also interact with the show by calling or texting 929-274-3437. Leave a voicemail or text in your latest hot takes, breakdowns, questions, or comments for the show, and we'll play whatever you say next week. This week, we're all over week two of the NFL season with commentary on the biggest surprises and storylines from Sunday like ties in football and the Cowboys all but guaranteed a win after I had already lost a parlay with them on it. We'll also recap week three in college football, run down our picks in this week's six pack, give our best case scenarios for our favorite baseball teams and the wild card races and more. Check your sources. We're off. Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Well, we don't know. Well, Al, we're getting into the best time of year because baseball is really heating up and about to wrap up. Football is heating up in the sense that it's just getting started and we're starting to see how certain teams look. And as always, when you record a show on Sundays, football is freshest in everyone's minds. And in some ways, unfortunately, football seems to be the sport that is on everyone's minds. Ties in the well, NFL, two weeks in a row. Are we serious here with this? It's, it's certainly on everybody's mind. I shouldn't say on everybody's mind, but you know, it should be on everybody's mind in Tampa Bay. Uh, I mean, you're swing and sway uh, in Tampa Bay with uh, the living legend, Ryan Fitzpatrick, who just, I mean, after last week, okay, one time. And then he goes out there again and has another phenomenal day in which 10 seconds into the game, he throws 75. We talked last week about Deshaun Jackson and how he can just light up uh, a football field. At 10 seconds into the game, it's you know, Tampa 7 and, and the world champion Eagles nothing, and they took the lead, and the Eagles never caught him. Uh, came close, but never caught him. And another huge stage for Fitzpatrick, big plays, 75-yard catch and run to O.J. Howard. And don't look now, but you know, after your four games up, barring a huge turnaround, uh, famous Jameis Winston is going to be uh, on the sidelines with a Tampa cap on backwards and a clipboard in his hand. Yeah, here's, here's the thing, and I'm glad you picked there to start. It's very interesting in two aspects that the Bucks basically brought in Dirk Cutter to make Jameis Winston a franchise quarterback and a feared quarterback from week to week. He was unable to do that to start this season, as we know, because of the three-game suspension that Jameis Winston suffered. In comes Fitzmagic and does 
his thing that he's done so many times now throughout his career. The problem is we've seen this act before several times where he's not to thrown... this extent. True. And he not, doesn't, not he hasn't extent. had the weapons really over, like he has this now. It's really over the top. I believe this is the first time in NFL history that a quarterback has thrown four more touchdown passes in the first two weeks of the season. Right. We have seen him put on shows like this in a small type of part of the season, two to three games, and then things just sort of fall off. And Return to reality. Playoffs he's, he's, have he's never happened. Done it. He's even done, not this, but he's even had uh, you know, solid seasons and then come back you know, when you sign him and falls off the face of the earth. So um, obviously it remains to be seen. Uh, as Vince Scully with a lot more lines and chapters to be written. But the point is, shockingly, they are out of the box 2-0 with wins over two teams in the NFC that a good chunk of people were picking as Super Bowl participants from the NFC. They're 2-0. The Eagles drop to 1-1. The Saints find a way today. (laughs) Against the Art Modell cursed Browns, uh, who you know find another way with missed field goals and two missed extra points uh, to lose on a late field goal, twenty-one eighteen, and the Rams look like world beaters as they pummel the Cardinals. Uh, the Jets return to earth. Uh, an odd tie between Minnesota and Green Bay, all of which we will get to, but really a wild in my mind, week two in the NFL. Are you allowed to cut your kicker at the half? Or was the storyline just for maybe the kicker would retire as one Bills player, Vontae Davis, decided to do at halftime? Uh, now, He's had are enough. You he retired. Are you talking about the Cleveland kicker? Or are you talking about the Minnesota kicker? Yeah, unfortunately, we have to have that difference because it was not a great day for kickers. It was not a great day for the Pat McAfee brand today. One of them could have potentially went into the locker room and retired, and you would have understood it a little bit more than Vontae Davis, but I do find a little evil humor in the fact that he looked around at the Bills' locker room and said, nope. I, I, I just... I, I don't even know what to say about that. It, I, I find it... I'm not going to use the term disturbing, because right, he's apologized on Twitter. But I, I just find it just shocking that an NFL veteran of this caliber, who's been a, a really good player for a lot of years, and I hate to use the term quits, but he quit. There's, there's no indication that, you know, he had a concussion. There's no indication that he was banked up. He quit. They were getting smoked again, you know, by the, by the Chargers. And, and lo and behold, he announces at halftime, I'm done. I mean, you want to announce it after the game? You're so disgruntled, uh, which you probably wouldn't have done with a com- at least a respectable 31-20 score. But I just, I'm, I'm literally flabbergasted. And I, I really don't know what else to say. I'm totally stunned by what a real, you know, you know I've been around 100 years you're a young fellow, but you've heard the term pro's pro. You know, I mean, he's, he's, that's what he's been. And just, I'm done. I'm done because they're getting their asses kicked at halftime. 
I, I can't remember a time where we've seen this, or at least in a time where it would be heavily reported on, especially right after the game. I'm sure in the early days of football or in the 70s or 80s, guys might get hurt and be able to just leave the game <laughs> and no one would know about you're, it. You're, you're, too, you're too young, but you know about Roberto Duran and Nomas. This is Nomas. This is the football version of, and I'm sure somebody will say it tomorrow, on worst take or whatever, but you heard it here first. All right, you know, with Alan John, where did he hear for it? This is the football version of Nomas. He did it, Roberto Duran. Simple as that. Frustrated, we can't win, we can't compete. I'm done. I'm leaving. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. This takes that to a whole new level in just week two, and it doesn't seem like we're moving in a great way for the Bills, and I do wish the best for Josh Allen. I wish the best for McCoy, uh, the fantasy football McCoy, that is. I well, it don't... could be worse. You could be, the, you could be the Cardinals. That's a good point. Sam Bradford, though, has been healthy for two weeks, at least from what we know. They haven't said that he's not. That could be coming, how about Sam's? How about Sam's numbers today? He threw over 25 times for total yards of, I think, 72. I, I'm sure that's not a Checking record. the statistics, 90 yards today, Al. 90, well, 90 I thought I saw 72. But that's still yards per throw of like three three and change. I'm sure it's not an all-time record low. But, you know, it, it's pretty darn low. Any surprises for the teams that you might have expected to win their games? And maybe even the teams that have fallen to 0-2. This could be the week that starts the this is it for the New England Patriots and I think you can just get that dusty record off the shelf and press play because it seems like for the past three to four seasons that's been the same tune that the media has portrayed the Patriots that now is the time that Tom Brady is faltering now will be the time that the Patriots don't do well I think they just had a bad game and Jacksonville was playing in a week two Super Bowl in a sense wanted to rebound from the AFC playoffs and they played great and they were able to hold off the Patriots. Well, this is the same way, quite frankly, Jacksonville played post Buffalo in the playoffs yesterday or last year, except they couldn't finish. This is the way they played against Pittsburgh. This is the way they played the first half against the Pats. Today they, they were at home, remember, which they weren't against the Pats. And today at home, they finished. They struggled to finish, but they finished. And Bortles played a terrific game. He finished the game. They showed confidence in him down the stretch where they threw the ball, the last possession, to finish it off. And they did that without Fournette. They did that, um, you know, without Cam Robinson. So, to their credit, and, and I could not understand preseason how people, and, you know, I, I told you this before. I'm no guru. You know, I'm no cagey gambler. Year, many, many years ago, I might actually get hot once in a while. This has happened for a very long time. But the bottom line is this. I did not for one second think that the Jaguars were not a playoff team. I heard an awful lot of prognosticators saying they expected the Jags you know, to be an 8-8, eight 9-7 and eight, and return-to-earth team. And I was like, why? Well, so they snuck up on anybody. We knew they had talent on the defensive side of the ball. We knew they had Fournette. And we knew that their quarterback scenario was sketchy and, you know, questionable and could be better. 
and how much do you trust him? But we knew that defense played. You know that defense travels, and it traveled to New York slash New Jersey last week and beat the Giants. And today, for the better part of the game, when it mattered, it shut down the Patriots, and they're two and Now I don't owe the Patriots anything, especially as a Denver Broncos fan. But I do have to apologize to the Patriots fan base because for the first pick that I actually put human money down on, it was the Patriots to just win straight up. I mean, I did a parlay that they were part of. I actually put money down on the three picks that we made for the pick six segment, the six pack, which we'll get to later in the show. But the first real bet of the 2018 season, I jinxed the Pats. John, you have to tell everybody to be patient when you preface that because we know that they are on pins and needles waiting for the sixth. The thing is, though, we would have probably had a much happier Demeter. At least I know I would have if things had gone a little bit better. But there's a tease for the listeners. That's the best tease we could possibly give. So I do have to issue an apology for the Patriots. They were the first one I stuck my foot out for. The Cowboys were going to be that, but since the parlay that I had going is already done for, they're going to be fine. They're going to beat the Giants. We're doing this while recording. They have a 10-point lead over the Giants. They're going to be fine. They're going to win that game because now I don't have any money on it. You're welcome, Dallas Cowboy Nation, though, again, you don't need any apologies. But speaking of the teams that have faltered to 0-2, I think for me the biggest surprise, and it shouldn't necessarily be this way for game one, you can understand, but the Houston Texans are my biggest 0-2 surprise because Deshaun Watson is back and, and from what we've heard, healthy and should be back to normal. You almost assume he was going to be able to hit the ground running and get back on his feet in week two after getting the Patriots under his belt, not having to go up against Marcus Mariota and the Titans, not being able to win, losing 20-17. to 17, A pretty disappointing start if you're the Texans. To Blaine Gabbert, and we had this discussion last week. Uh, I'm not going to pat myself on the back. I'm just going to restate what I said last week, that I'm not ready to anoint young Deshaun Watson as, you know, this juggernaut perennial playoff quarterback. I like him. I think he's got a chance to be a really good player. But, you know, a, a very, very, very small sample size last year. And coming back this year, obviously, from a debilitating knee injury. So, you know, there's still a lot more I have to see before you know, I'm picking uh, – that team to go to the playoffs because all we ever hear about is this tremendous defense and this great young quarterback. And, you know, I, I need to see him play better longer. Uh, and they're off to an 0 2 start. And in that same division, another guy we talked about last week, uh, came out today and got a win under his belt on the road. Very happy for Andrew Luck. Six point dogs uh, in that game too. Didn't even yeah, matter. Yeah, I would. I I I I, I contemplated. I contemplated making that as one of the six pack. I pulled back my mistake, and uh, he is. Uh, he's looking like he is physically pretty pretty darn sound. He's still looking a little rusty at times, but I think that uh, I think 
we are going to have the benefit uh, of seeing Andrew Luck, uh, barring some freakish injury or, you know, a hit or whatever, uh, for a full season this year. Looks like that shoulder's fine. Looks like the ball's coming out good. Uh, looks like everything is, is, you know, hitting on all eight cylinders in terms of his ability to throw the ball pain-free, uh, you know, stand in against, against pressure. And I was happy that the Colts got a win today in Washington uh, against a team that had a really good week one, obviously against an absolutely hideous and maybe arguably the worst team uh, in the NFL after two weeks, the Cardinals. And also, Owen, to the Detroit Lions and new head coach, Matt Patricia. And, and you could argue, well, he's a new coach. It's going to take them a little while to gel and to get Matt Stafford and the receivers on the same point with what he wants to do. But who they lost to and how they lost, getting blown out by Sam Darnold, making his debut in the National Football League, not being able to beat Jimmy Garoppolo, who is a rookie point five times one, however you want to look at it, with less than a half season under his belt coming into this year. Games that you should probably win or at least be able to leave with some positives. The defense didn't step up in either game yet, and in that division, it's going to be tough this year because the Vikings, which we'll get to very shortly, going blow for blow with the Packers, being able to come back in the fourth quarter. Kirk Cousins, you Vike that. I don't know if that's copyrighted yet, and if it is by him, I apologize. Aaron Rodgers is back. The Bears, we'll see what happens with them. I don't think they're a team to necessarily take for granted by any means. You start out 0-2 and have to go against those three other teams in your division. That's not going to be a good look, it would seem, as we head forward here in the upcoming weeks. Well, that was my underplay on my under-overs because I just don't like what Detroit has uh, behind their quarterback, who I do like. Uh, The Belichick coaching tree has not been very successful. Uh, Not that that's a big deciding factor in making the play. I just don't like the Lions on either side of the ball. I do like their quarterback, even though he's never won a playoff game. I think he's a good player. Uh, But they never win in a big spot. I think the division is very tough because obviously we both think I believe we agree that Minnesota and Green Bay are very, very, certainly Minnesota, very good team. Green Bay, playoff team, Bears improving. So, you know, I think the Vikings, or excuse me, that the Lions are, you know, a, a 5 and 11 team. And, you know, they go on the road today, they battle, but they come up short. And look, that's also, if San Francisco doesn't get that win and they're staring 0 and 2 in the face, then that would be a, a very disappointing loss for them in a game that they were in control of most of the way and, you know, and squeaked out you know, the 30-27 win and did not cover the number. It's interesting, too, with the tie, and I believe that's the first time in NFL history to open the season where there's been a tie in consecutive weeks to start things off. I, I think if you're the Packers, you don't necessarily hate the tie, especially with the way Aaron Rodgers was last week and him coming back from the injury that he had. Nobody knew if he would be able to hang in there with the Vikings defense, and he did okay. And if you're the Vikings, to be able to come back like that against Aaron Rodgers, against the Packers, to have Kurt Cousins throw for four touchdowns and look like he's fitting into this system perfectly in the wake of Case Keenum, I think you're happy with a tie too because it's better than a loss. 
but should we be done with this tie thing? Is it time to figure something out? Can we no, find no, a way I like for a winner, tie. or are you okay with the tie? I like, no, no, I love the ties. You know, you play, you play a full overtime. You, you, you have 15 minutes of additional NFL action. You have to maintain some aspect of um, rest for these guys who are protecting their interest to some degree where they're not playing such depth, you know, where they go into, you know, additional time after the one like you do in the playoffs. Um, you have to think about next week. That's plenty of time, and there were plenty of opportunities. This was a funky game. I mean, Green Bay controlled pretty much the whole time. Minnesota, the kicker misses a field goal early. Uh, then later on, despite everything that happened, uh, they come back and they tie the game with a touchdown and two-point conversion. And Green Bay's got a shot to win at the gun. They make the 52-yarder, but it's, it's called off because of the timeout. He misses it the second time, second time around. And then Minnesota can't make, can't make field goal in overtime. Uh, and lo and behold, we wind up with another time. Excuse me, two, two field goals in overtime, correct? Right. So, you know, I mean, the kicker is playing a huge role in what happened this weekend, both the pro and the college level. But the point is that opportunities to win the game for both teams and both teams uh, could not take advantage of opportunities to win the game. And lo and behold, here we are. And, you know, you've got both teams at one-on-one. Which is probably better to be obviously better to be one or one. True. Both teams obviously, if if not for a kick, you know, are two and zero. Well, I'll pump the brakes slightly, but I would like to maybe go to a college format just because I find that so much damn fun. The oh. throw them the ball out at say the forty, you get a first down, you're in field goal range, so you at least have that. Let's rock, and we'll just keep we going until somebody more. can score. We, we couldn't disagree more. But I'll, I'll, give, not, I'll give it that's this. Not football. Let's have that's the like, AAF like, try that's that. Like having, that's like having the major leagues in, re, in the regular season. Put the runner you know, on immediately second. Immediately put the guy on second base <laughs> in the 10th. That's we, what I'm saying. Be, you, millenniums, you millenniums are killing. You're just killing. Let's just see how it looks. Let's have the you're, AAF you're just, do that. I want to just see how but, it looks, Al. That's all. Remember the havoc. Remember the havoc. That that type of rule, those types of rules, play in the betting scenario in college football with the under over. All right, where you can have like you know five more touchdowns in overtime, and you got a play that was just a total a block, and you get screwed because the overtime where they just go up and down the field. So no, we cannot have that at the NFL level. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report, here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. Well, obviously, just quickly looking at the standings, everyone had the Dolphins. Everyone had the Broncos. Everyone had the Bengals. The Jags at 2-0. These these are all easy bets. I mean, the Redskins currently... These are things that everyone predicted, especially the Bucks leading the NFC South with an undefeated record after two weeks. That's what makes this such an interesting job slash hobby, Pr- trying to predict these things that year after year remain unpredictable. Yeah, I, I fell into the jet trap 
Uh, I thought they would win today against the Dolphins. Uh, they never really had a shot. Uh, I believe the one possession down, one possession was deep in their own territory. If memory serves me correct, if they even had it then. Uh, but the point is, to the credits, to the kudos to the Dolphins. Uh, they came into in, into New Jersey, and they played uh, a Jets team on a, a beautiful Sunday, uh, in which the whole world was pumped up for Sudden Sam, Sam I Am, and the Go Go Jets, and they got up early twenty to nothing, and they never got ahead. To their credit, uh, and now they are two and zero atop the AFC East. Uh, with the Jets and with the women behind them and obviously with the Bills and Owen too. Uh, you know, pretty much where we think they're going to be uh, from beginning to end at uh, the bottom of the barrel in the AFC East. Let me ask you this. How surprised are you though um, with the fact that shifting total gears. The Saints have had to struggle immensely just to guess to one and one with 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 today's win barely against the Browns. Well I've been all right with it because Alvin Kamara has been stupendous for the past two weeks on my fantasy team. But to answer your question for not fantasy but the real world if you're going to ask Drew Brees at this point in his career to potentially have to keep up with other offenses, that is not the way to success. And when there's games that you're going to have to lean on him to throw however many times to hit over 300 yards to maybe get four touchdowns, the success seemed to be evolving perfectly with Drew Brees and maybe when Ingram comes back we'll see that sort of take fold where he could lean against the running game and have to throw here and there but not have to rely on his arm this later stage in his career that's been the case early going I don't know if Ingram coming back is going to change that but I don't like the looks of it right this second, having to rely on him like you would have to five to ten years ago or when they I were remember, going to both a Super of these, Bowl. Both of these games have been at home. Right, exactly. They get pasted by the Bucks, and they have to literally pull a rabbit out of the hat against the Browns between their capabilities and the Browns' field goal slash extra point woes in a game that the Browns clearly should have won. Uh, if not for those, just, I mean, hard to believe. Uh, Raiders, too. 40, Both uh, the Browns and the Raiders could be 2 and 0 without problems. Two extra, and two extra points. And not one, but two extra points. Two extra points. Hard to believe. So their reward is getting to go to Atlanta next week. Great. Look, I, I, I've told you and anybody who will listen that. How do you explain it? The explanation is very simple. The curse of the curse of Art Modell will be upon the close, close new Cleveland Browns close quote for as long as he wants it to be from upstairs, uh, and that's the only explanation. Well, no, that, that was the Saints. The Saints get rewarded with the Falcons. The Browns might actually get rewarded because they get to go to New Jersey and play the Jets. In week three, which, I mean, could be, maybe, 
an exciting game. I don't feel as good about it after this week with the Jets not well, being Well, I think it'll be an Dolphins, exciting but. game because it'll be an exciting game, Johnny, because, look, what, the, the Browns play a lot of exciting games in, in, terms, of, in terms of the competitiveness uh, of the games and uh, how they come down in the last few seconds and overtime. And, you know, they may not be uh, works of art, but in terms of bang for your buck and right down to the wire, you get a full 60 minutes and sometimes more of football. So you just never see the Browns win again. Um, so next week, I would expect the same kind of game uh, here in New York slash New Jersey. I would expect to come down to the last few seconds. And I would expect either the Jets to mate or the Browns to miss a last second field goal to decide that game. This was the game I had circled potentially as the Sam Darnold slash Baker Mayfield battle. And based on what the Browns have done, I don't think they're at the point yet where they're going to pull Tyrod slash Tyrod Taylor in favor of Baker, unfortunately. I, I don't know why. If you look at it from this point of view, Tyrod Taylor has put the Browns in a situation, if not for field goal slash extra point misses to be 2-0 against the Steelers and Saints. And instead, uh, because of a blocked field goal late in overtime and just today's nightmare, uh, they're 0-1-1. 929-274-3437. That's the voicemail slash text number for the show. You can leave a voicemail or send a text with your hottest takes, a question, a comment, whatever you have. It's unfortunate that if you pose us a question for next week, we'll be recording this after the games actually happen, but you can have some fun with it, and you can throw out some things that we've said or form your own opinions, and we'll get you on air if you do so. There's also another tease for your listeners to want to get on the show and participate. Switching to college football and spending some breath on that, we saw Wisconsin fall to the mighty B team. Not literally, but a team starting with B. And now that's it for them for the college football playoff, right? I mean, the way things are going, I think that's it. I think anyone really from that conference is going to have to run the table in order to even be in discussion for the college football playoff. And unfortunately, it happened to them in week three where it seems like that's it. They're done. Well, I have egg on my face because, as you may recall, uh, when we had our preseason discussion, I said that the Big Ten was the best conference uh, in the NCAA, bar none, uh, and they had their worst day since the AP began ranking in 1936 yesterday <laughs> with the number of Big Ten teams that lost as double-digit favorites, um, whether it was Northwestern, whether it was, I mean, the Wisconsin game to me, and I like BYU. They have a very strong defensive team. Uh, I liked them last week. Uh, you know, they lost that game. Uh, but I, I, to me, that was the shocker of the weekend uh, for them to go in and win at Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin had a chance uh to win the game late, incomplete pass inside the 10, and then their fifth-year senior uh, missed, I think it was a 43-yarder. Uh, 
that would have sent the game, well, would have tied the game late. And, and there was still time for BYU to have another possession. But once again, uh, you know, a, a missed field goal decides a huge game. Wisconsin stumbles. Uh, Northwestern loses a stunner with an 18-point lead at the half. Uh, Michigan rolls against an inferior opponent. Ohio State plays a good game, not a great game. Uh, and they beat a very, very, very tough TCU squad with two defensive touchdowns. One that should not have been a touchdown, should have been a safety. Uh, why it wasn't reviewed properly to see that the Ohio State defender fell on the ball with one foot out of, out of the end zone. Uh, may or may not have an impact on the final score, but TCU is a very pretty, very cutty performance. But Ohio State prevails. But as you said, uh, Ohio State doesn't run the table. Uh, I don't see how a Big Ten team makes the playoff. I think the number, if I remember correctly, was seven losses to non-conference unranked opponents was how the Big Ten's day went this particular Saturday. You you are correct. Not the best of looks, but you it happens. You are correct. It happens. And now the four have remained the same that we've kind of spit out throughout this year with Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, and Ohio State. Seemingly going to be the typical rattle-off for the next several weeks. Oklahoma with now Oklahoma, making a charge. With Oklahoma and LSU on the outside looking in, uh, I heard a great line yesterday. <laughs> LSU's got the benefit of the schedule this year. They get to have both Alabama and Georgia at home. Good luck. <laughs> I say yeah. if they manage to navigate that, all right, and can somehow, some way, get through that. I, I mean, now there's a team that can go to the that can go to the playoff with one loss. They navigate that schedule with one loss, and it be one of those two teams, and win the SEC uh, championship. They are in the playoff. It's not going to happen. Because I don't see them beating both of those teams. Uh, one would have to be obviously in the regular season, then they'd have to win the championship. Uh, I love LSU. I love I love Coach O. I think he's a blast. I love trying to decipher what he's saying when he speaks because I you usually can't figure it out. <laughs> uh, but the point is, uh, and I was happy for the LSU quarterback. Remember, this is a kid who waited his turn behind Barrett, uh, hoping to get the job, and lost out to the freshman, uh, who was playing great. And so he transferred to LSU, and, and lo and behold, they have, uh, they have moved on and so far are undefeated. And, you know, yesterday uh, a kicker made a kick. Uh, the, ironically, the brother of the Minnesota kicker, the younger brother of the Minnesota kicker, who was the Auburn kicker, beats Auburn. Uh, with a 42-yarder right down the pipe at the gun uh, for a great win uh, for the Bayou Tigers uh, at Jordan-Hare Stadium, a game they were up early 10-0, then down 21-10. They battled back. They got the benefit of an awful interference call, but you know, we see that literally in any game we're going to watch. Uh, they still had to hold Auburn in key spots. They had to move the ball down the field in key spots. And that was a great win for the LSU Tigers yesterday. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. 
He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report, here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. And what did we say when the Urban Meyer decisions came to be and his suspension came to light and members of the media ripped him and said that he deserved to be fired? Eventually, things would blow over, at least in sports media, and sure enough, just a day after his, I I guess, reinstatement after the three games, I'm assuming he was able to start officially doing everything today, Sunday, Tom Rinaldi with the first feature piece, a sit-down with Ohio State head coach Urban Meyer. Surprise, surprise. Tom, who takes five minutes to get one question out. <laughs> do I love? I do love Tom Rinaldi. It's it's just I like him better on those feel good type of pieces. This was not a feel good type of piece. I I, I just need Tom to just he, he just needs to get the words out a little quicker. You know, it, it, Tom, the way Tom asks your question is like Urban, <laughs> Courtney Smith. Um, we don't need that. You don't need to wait that long. Tom. Yeah. All right. He's given the, Get the question out. questions. All right. Well, we're not hanging on it to that degree. All right. Um, didn't tell us anything we didn't expect. Uh, see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. Uh, I shouldn't have hired him. My mistake. Let's move on. And uh, you know, lo and behold, Ohio State is where we expected them to be. And uh, the coach is where we expected them to be, back at the helm. And it won't be the last we see of a type of interview like this, especially if Ohio State continues its success. Speaking of Ohio State, we can put a wrap on college and NFL football. It is that time, ladies and gentlemen. We teased it earlier in the show. It is time for the six-pack, our weekly gambling segment that takes place before the show actually airs, and then we tell you what the end result will be, something that we can tweak as these shows go on, but that's where we stand right now. First to college football. And and remember, we preface these by telling everyone, pay no mind to these picks. Do not rely on these picks. They are, at least from my perspective, all right, wholly unreliable with respect to U.S. Trilly. Uh, they provide no expertise or history of gambling success in any way, shape, or form. Oh, no. Uh, with, that, uh, w- w- with that proviso, uh, on the college front, I once again, uh, because I am in love with the Oklahoma baseball playing quarterback, uh, laid uh, way too much at Iowa State on the thought that this would be the revenge game off the upset from last year. Uh, and they were never really close to covering. Uh, I laid far too many points uh, at 18. And uh, even though, yes, Oklahoma got the win, Iowa State did in fact cover. I did take LSU plus the 10, so I got that win. And uh, my third pick... Uh, unfortunately, I fell into the Boise State trap. Uh, all of the coaches and, and the experts, uh, you know, Reese Davis and company, telling me that this team could compete uh, for a national title if they won this game against Oklahoma State and get in the playoffs. And Mark Ripon's kid is a big-time quarterback. And lo and behold, they go into Stillwater and get their asses kicked. 
by, you know, Mike Gundy's team, who is never strong defensively and always in big games winds up playing like a 45, 41, 52, 49 shootout. And this game was never, ever in danger for Oklahoma State. It was a one-point spread, and as the final score would indicate, it was not nearly enough. So I went one and two on the college front. It is fun sometimes listening to one's advice and having it work in your favor. And shockingly, one of the advice seekers that I decided to follow this past weekend was, I believe, Kirk Herbstreet came out and said that Vanderbilt was going to upset Notre Dame. And I even got that notification on my phone from ESPN after he said it. Obviously, that's a pretty bold statement. Not incredibly bold, though, because the game was close and Vanderbilt was right there and did cover the 13 and a half. So I tip my cap to Kirk. Thank you for the win there. Washington giving away four. No problem. Win by a couple touchdowns. Nicely done. Ohio State, though. I wish they kicked that field goal instead of kneeling the ball at the end of the game to show some sportsmanship. Kick the field goal, shove it down their throats, and cover the 13 and a half. You were lucky to be that close. Absolutely, absolutely. So I didn't win with them. Two and one. I'm surprised. Anytime I can get the two when it comes to the three that we do for each sport, I'm happy with. But unfortunately, I didn't throw down on any of those three games. I saved it all for the NFL, and as we'll get to, that was a mistake. Now we, to the NFL we go, where we have a controversial scenario. As, as Folks, what we do is John and I exchange our plays late before kickoff on Saturday and Sunday. So we will make our exchanges Saturday morning around 11.30 and the same thing on Sunday morning. And this morning, when I went to, uh, and I go to the website, uh, ESPN, and the number I had off of ESPN, and I can only think because earlier in the week, uh, the Vikings were the favorite. The line I had at 1130 slash noon was Green Bay had jumped to a one-point favorite, probably because it was clear that Aaron Rodgers was going to play. So one of my three plays uh, was Minnesota plus one. I took Kansas City plus five, which was a clear winner. We didn't discuss the chefs today and young Patrick Mahomes and six touchdown passes as they beat up on a Pittsburgh defense that looks like he can't stop a strong More win. More touchdown passes than the five points you were getting. Wow. Amazing. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. Um, and uh, my third pick was the JETS Chess, Chess, Chess. So depending about how we do this ruling, I was either two and one, one and two, or we could take it off the board and just treat me as one and one. Which no, I I'm, think I'm, I'm happy to give you the two and one because this was a game where you almost had to put the bet in late because we didn't know what Aaron Rodgers' status would be. So if you did put it in early and didn't get a great number, especially like if you were going to play, all right, I think the Packers are going to do X, I'll wait for that rather than being on the Viking side, it's a game that it, it made sense to wait on either way. We, we can put it that it's the only way. way you, it's the only way you can do it. Right. So I didn't have a problem with this at all, and I, I don't mind usually waiting until the day of and closer to the game just because you never know what's going to happen, especially in the National Football League. So 2-1, and one, I'm perfectly fine with another solid week. 
Mr. Renato. And I, oh, well, I don't gamble. Yeah, I'm just saying, two solid weeks in a row. We'll see what happens next week. Uh, look, I've danced in the aisles before and two. All right, <laughs> that, that's as good as it's going to get for me. Plain and simple. I, I mean, the Owen trees are going to start coming and coming soon. But for now, uh, I'll, I'll take my two and ones and be very happy. Well, I'm, I'm and back I, to and my on old your tricks. Front, I'm back to my right? old tricks. There's, there's no. Well, you've got, you've got one pending. It. Yeah, you've got one. Oh no! I told you the Cowboys are going to be just fine because the parlay I put down that included them is over, which means I have no money on the Cowboys. Which means right now the lead's twenty to three in the fourth quarter. Perfectly fine. Congratulations on going one and one, Dallas. Unfortunate for the Giants to start zero and two in a tough division that's only going to get tougher once Nick Foles finally goes to the bench in favor of Carson Wentz. So you're welcome, Dallas Cowboy Nation. That that parlay that I had ended. Because it started with those Eagles thinking that even though it's Fitzmagic, even though it's Nick Foles, that Eagles defense is quite good, and maybe they'll be able to pull one out. No, nope. lost on the three. Took the they Patriots. Are, and, and, and the Eagles are, for this early, they are very beat up. Yeah, they are. For this early in the season. They are. They, they, now, remember, they were last year, too. Right. And, and they recovered, and we know what happened. This is, for uh, them, think, it's, it's think, almost survive in advance like it would be in the NCAA tournament at this point to just survive I, falls uh, early on I, and just I get to the, midway. Yeah, I, I, I think for the Eagles, the key is just to stay close and in touch for the first half of the season, get your quarterback back healthy and everybody with him, and then I expect them to roll and run away from that division. It's rare that you see the Patriots – in a close spread and a close money-lined game. And that's what we had in Jacksonville. Just a point-and-a-half favorite, and the money line for them was something in the 100s, which is rare, too. So not only did I involve them in a parlay, I involved them in just a straight bet, thinking this will be one of the few times in the season you'll get good odds money line for the New England Patriots. Against my better judgment, of course, and they came up. Quite short, quite short. In, in a game that I'm not surprised that they lost, it was just a, a disappointing way to watch them lose when you had money on it. What I thought would be the key was Jalen Ramsey throwing Gronk under the bus. Bill Belichick always uses negativity as a positive with his teams, as bulletin board material, not like they need it anyway, and I thought he will find a way to get Gronk involved or another tight end involved, like not even play Gronk and just throw somebody out there, and they'll be fine. No, no, not this week, friends. One and two. I'm telling you the Cowboys are going to beat the Giants, even though the game isn't completed yet. Not a good showing in the NFL this week. It, it was really the ultimate show of respect for them to be favored in that game. You know, considering the fact that they were on the road uh, against a team that played them right down to the wire uh, in the AFC title game last year, and Dan near beat them in New England. And, uh, you know, they really got manhandled early. Uh, they made it a game, but today uh, the Jags were able to finish them off. And as I said before, I think the Jets are going to be a very formidable team in the NFC. Coming up to the end of the show, but we do have time to a quick dive into each of our favorite baseball teams, and I'll start with yours. The St. Louis Cardinals have made quite the march to get themselves into the wild card conversation 
and are a game out as of this Sunday from getting one of those wild card spots. Looking a little bit ahead, what's the best case scenario taking on, for these taking cards? On water. Yeah, well, yeah. The ship is ta- yeah. The ship is taking on water. So that's why I want to ask, what's the best case scenario in these next coming weeks for these Cardinals? Where do you hope to see this wrap up if, if you had to pick what the prime thing would be for them if they were to make the wild card? The best case scenario is as follows. Hang on tonight after six brilliant innings by uh, the old man, Adam Wainwright, who came out tonight and completely shut down an incredibly hot Dodger team who has pummeled the Cardinals this week and won the first three, uh, staked into a 4 nothing lead. They are in the top of the eighth as we speak. Uh, if they can find a way to hang on to this game, uh, that will get them back, even with the Dodgers, at a half game behind the Rockets. Next up for the Rockies and the Dodgers is each other in L.A. And my approach is if the Cardinals can play relatively good baseball the rest of the way, they go to Atlanta, uh, then they have the Giants, they have Milwaukee and the Cubs, tough schedule, but the Dodgers and the Rockies play each other a bunch. The Rockies also have Arizona. Okay, The Rockies also have the Nats. So the Rockies have a brutal schedule the rest of the way. At the end of the day, here is my belief and my hope. My belief is clearly that the Dodgers are going to win the West, regardless of what happens tonight. All right, I think the Dodgers are going to win the West. I think they're the best team. I think they are arguably, when hitting on only someone who's the best team in the league, and have a chance to go back to the World Series. My hope is that the Cardinals can get their act together. They're a tired club. A lot of their young guys are, you know, in, in no man's land in terms of where they are in the number of games played. And if they can finish relatively strong, I think they've got a real good chance to beat out the Rockies for the second wild card. That's the hope. For me as a Yankees fan, it's simple. And unfortunately, these one-game wild card getting to the postseason events are becoming a little bit too commonplace. Even though it's only been twice, it seems like they've played these get-into-the-postseason games 10 to 15 times. I don't know why that's the case, but in my mind, I hate these games so much. I think it just adds five or six years every time they happen. Just get the home field over Oakland. And then finally have a hot streak. Because I don't think the Yankees have had a significant or memorable hot streak since probably May. And the lineup has been thrown through the ringer a couple different times with injuries and moving guys around, but there's been opportunities for them to have had one from May until now, and they haven't yet. You just got to get out at the right time, but... They they haven't had a lot of consistent starting pitching. No, they have not. Um, And they also, uh, you know, the lineup has been up and down. They've, They've had injuries, but you know the deal. You're old enough to realize everybody's got injuries. Everybody's got to deal with them. Uh, And their lineup has been very streaky. They've had guys in and out. Their bullpen has not been nearly as infallible as as, everybody thought it was going to be. The loss of Chapman there has been a big part of that. But they haven't gotten, they haven't been a hell lot in the last four to six weeks. They've been playing games that are even down, having to rally, you know, yesterday, way down come back late, get it to 8-7. 
you know, couldn't come up with a big hit late to tie it. Uh, so it's been, you know, off of the great start, very middling baseball, uh, you know, in all aspects for really the, the last two months. Uh, it, it's really, they, they've been treading water for the last two months. There haven't been a lot of games where, okay, one thing will be able to work and be relied upon, and that will ignore the fact that X happened. Where if you have a great pitching performance, you win the game 2-1. to one. You have a great hitting performance, the bullpen might blow the game, but you still win, as you mentioned, a game like an 8-7. It's been the, they'll come back after they're down 5-1 to one and squandered way too many opportunities, make it close, but can't get over the hump. They'll have a great pitching performance, be winning 2-1, to one, and the bullpen will blow it in the last couple innings. So that, that really states it very succinctly. They haven't been able to erase what they've been doing wrong with positives. Both things have ended up, everything's been going wrong consistently. (laughs) Now, the bright spot spot of that explanation, which is really a very accurate one, is that's usually how you describe a team that's in a huge slump where they pitch well, they don't hit. They hit well, they don't pitch well, and they find a way to lose. With the Yankees, at least the scenario has been, it's resulted in them basically taking one step forward, one step back. They haven't slumped to the extent where they're playing losing baseball. They've slumped to the extent where they're not playing winning baseball. And as a result, you know, they've gained no ground on the Red Sox. They've lost ground on the Red Sox. And obviously, the incredibly hot, amazing Oakland A's uh, are in a position where they could steal home court, no, home, home court, home field for the wildcard game, which uh, down the stretch we come in the last two weeks to see who winds up with that game at home. We'll have great games coming up next week, as we always do. And as always, Al, it's a pleasure getting to talk about them with you. Another great week. Everybody take care. Enjoy your sports week. We look forward to speaking to you and hearing from you next week. Take care, everybody. We'll be back next Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening.